a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you're with me on the program today. Uh, we are going to be talking to, I, I think he is our most regular guest these days, Jim Wallace of the Gun Owners Action League. On Tuesday, the first and only public hearing for uh, HD 4607, this is the new version of the Lawful Citizens Imprisonment Act, was held. And in Massachusetts, Democrats were hoping for a warmer reception for this gun control bill. They did not get it. Not only did uh, the gun owners actually, and Jim Wallace, slam this legislation during the public hearing, but the uh, Massachusetts Association of Chiefs of Police came out and said that every police chief in their organization opposes this bill, unanimously opposed to the gun control provisions in this legislation. We're going to talk about it all with Jim Wallace of the Gun Owners Action League here in just a second. Before we do, Biden's America, it is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation, pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch me next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that is why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. Right now, they're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now let's turn to our conversation with uh, the Gun Owners Action League's Jim Wallace about the uh, hearing in the House on Tuesday, the uh, yet-to-be-introduced gun control bill over on the Senate side. And again, the uh, overwhelming opposition that is showing up when it comes to HD 4607. Take a look and a listen. Jim Wallace, welcome back to Cam and Company. How you doing, sir? Well, you can probably tell by the 20-pound bags under my eyes. I'm just a little bit tired. It's been it's been a hell of a week. I mean, it's been a hell of a summer anyway, but it this this past week has been something. You know, they dropped that new version of 4420 on Thursday afternoon just before a holiday weekend, and then scheduled the hearing for yesterday, the day after the holiday. So we had to scramble pretty hard to decipher that new bill, and we got it done, uh, but it's uh, it's different. Everybody says, is it better or worse? It's different. Uh, but one of the things they did was uh, initially, you know, because, you know, you see this, the the Webster's say, you know, oh, there's a new bill. And right away, oh, this, this, this. And, you know, they don't take a thorough look at it. Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is gone. This is gone. This is gone. But actually what they did was they played a shell game and moved things around. So some stuff was taken away, but other things were moved around and kind of hidden. So you had to really pay attention to the complete language and not just the piece you thought was there before. Yeah, and you did a fantastic job, uh, and and really, I hope that all of the gun owners in Massachusetts have taken a look at uh, uh, what you did in terms of going through the bill line by line. And as you say, the the way this thing is written, they didn't make it easy for you to figure out, you know, what what is in this. So this was really um, a, a lengthy and exhaustive process. But you'd put up a, a an overview of uh, everything in forty six oh seven, and then you had a separate overview just for the red flag section. Oh. 
of the the legislation, right? I mean, you, that, you said that's so problematic; it needed its own separate sort of explainer. Yeah, as as uh, as we were going through it, uh, I I kind of changed how we did the summary with this one versus uh, forty four twenty, and I broke it down into subject matter so people could quickly look and took out all the legalese and just said, "Boom, this is what this does." But when I got to the red flag portions, I think there was ten sections. Uh, of law in this bill, uh, I literally set it aside before until I finished the rest because there was so much of it. We had to do a separate red flag portion summary, and that's why if you go to the website, you'll see two different summaries: one for the the general part of the bill, and, and the other for the red flag. So, literally in the red flag, your school principal would be able to report you and file a petition. So, you know, it's what it is. Cam is that you know they passed red flag here what was it, five years ago, maybe? So it was pre-COVID. And they're angry that it's not being used mm-hmm. because, you know, on average, 10, 12 petitions a year, and most of those are police. So they're angry that it's not being utilized. So they want to expand the breadth of people who can file a petition and also make it easier to file a petition. But they also want the state to uh, launch an aggressive education campaign on how to use the system. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and we've seen that in other states. I mean, whether it's New Mexico, California, um, the, the, you know, when, when these red flag laws first started popping up, it was kind of like how Democrats talked about abortion back in the 90s, right? We want it to be safe, legal, and rare. We don't, they, they said these are not going to be tools that are used a lot, you know, but in, in certain rare circumstances, you know, these gaps in the law exist. We've got to be able to act. And so, as you say, in those states where these things are rarely used, as Democrats said they would be, now all of a sudden they're giving up the game, right? It's, well, now we got to use, we got to use them more. Yeah. Uh, and they haven't been able to say, like, well, what's the right number of red flag petitions that, that should be filed in a given year? As yeah. many as possible is their answer. Not that they're ever going to say that publicly, but that is the gist of what they're saying, right? You're 100% right, because I remember when the House debated it, right, Dave Linsky, because I was in the gallery, he actually said on the House floor that, listen, this will hardly ever be used. And, of course, I'm up in the gallery going, then why are you doing it? <laughs> you know, so- right. There's other issues we need to solve, and this isn't one of them. But, yeah, the the, the numbers game, right? It's like, you know, when we get involved in, in discussions about, you know, whatever it is, ARs in the school shooting, you know, I remember I spoke at a college one time, and a young college girl was reading from whatever data study she had. And she says, well, the, you know, the AI is designed to kill more people. I said, so your argument is just that there should be less people killed? And she looked at me and go, well, yeah. And I said, okay, my argument is that zero people should be killed. So you're okay with a body count. It's just a matter of what that number is. And she was horrified. And I said, well, that's what you're arguing for. (laughs) So it's, it's always kind of interesting when you actually get them to think for themselves if you can. Right. Well, and, and, you know, and I hope that uh, your testimony yesterday will cause some folks to, uh, to do some thinking, um, I mean, you, you pulled no punches, Jim, and I'm, I'm glad that you pulled no punches. I mean, you, you, you know, if, if folks have listened to our interviews, um, here over the past couple of months, they might not have been surprised by what you heard, but, or what they heard, but, you know, calling this a, a civil rights infringement, uh, telling these folks, you know, what you're doing here is going after the lawful gun owners, not the violent criminals. You're going to make things worse. 600,000 gun owners are going to say, forget it. I've had enough. Yeah. Um, 
Tell me about the hearing yesterday, uh, both your time uh, speaking and then what you heard from others at the uh, hearing. Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, we uh, we were called up very early, I think maybe third or fourth in line. And I, I was surprised. I wasn't even quite ready, but it was fine. So we went up as a panel, John Green, our trainer, Mike Harris, our, our fairly new public policy guy, and myself. And uh, Mike went first. And now you got to understand, Mike Harris was a state house aide for almost 12 years. So he knows the inside. He knows how this is supposed to work. And he just simply berated them on the whole process from beginning to now um, of how they misled everybody, of how we really thought we were working on a serious project. And it turned out that we weren't. John Green hammered him basically on being dishonest um, because, you know, I think one of his last statements was at, at every hearing stop or listening stop, Chairman, you said this, you know, lawful gun owners are not the problem. He goes, I'm holding your 126-page bill. You lied. You lied to us. So when it came to me, I didn't I didn't have any written testimony. I just, you know, and I told him, I said, listen, I've been thinking for a number of days. What, what am I going to say to you? Because I'm not going to discuss the details of the bill because I don't think anybody sitting in front of me knows what's in the bill. You've only had it for a few days, and it's been a holiday weekend. And, you know, there's, what, I don't know, 20 legislators sitting in front of me. I don't think one of you knows what's in this bill. So why discuss that? So I, I basically just said, you know, there's nothing in there that's going to fight crime. You know that. There's nothing in there that's going to reduce suicide. You know that. There's nothing that's going to increase firearm safety. You know that. So what are we doing here? And, and I told him, I said, it's the most egregious anti-civil rights bill that Massachusetts has seen in modern times. And I, I cautioned them. I said, you need to tread carefully here because you're about to make history and it's going to be bad history. So, yeah, it's it, it was pretty serious look on their faces because, quite frankly, they they've never seen me talk like this in 25 years. So I I hope it woke some of them up, but they genuinely do not grasp the seriousness of what they're what they're about to do. Yeah. Well, another wake up moment should have been when the uh, representative from the Massachusetts Chiefs Police Association yeah. uh, spoke because, you know, you talk about they've never heard you say anything like this in 25 years. I don't think they've ever heard the chiefs of police come out unanimously against a gun control proposal. Well, that's exactly what the Chiefs Association said yesterday, right? Yeah, they actually had a vote. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was kind of interesting. They told me they primarily used our summary. And then, of course, had their team double check it. And the they, they held the vote the morning of the of the yeah the hearing yesterday unanimous. So somewhere around I'm not exactly sure of their number because they include college university chiefs. OK, so over 400 chiefs across the state unanimously voted. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing this to our citizens. There's nothing here to help us with crime. Uh, they still have serious restrictions on law enforcement. As a matter of fact, I mentioned at the hearing yesterday, and they all looked at me like I had two heads, but of course, they don't know what's in there. I said, listen, this is so strict on out-of-state law enforcement that if Joe Biden came, the Secret Service would have to leave all their guns back in D.C. because they're not allowed to carry anything that's banned in mass. So if we had to call on the New Hampshire State Police or Rhode Island or something like that to come and help in a serious situation, 
anything that's banned in mass, they would not be able to carry while they're on duty here in Massachusetts. So the chief, that's why the chiefs looked at it and said, no, you still can't carry under this bill. You still can't carry as an off-duty law enforcement officer on any private property or any property that's owned by the government or run by the government. You think an off-duty police officer in Springfield, New Bedford, Boston's not going to carry? Come on, give me a break. Right. So this, this is some serious stuff, and they just don't get it. You know, and it's amazing because I heard Michael Day. Um, I didn't hear him, but I, I, I read a quote uh, in one of the papers where, you know, in trying to drum up support for this bill, he referenced this shooting in Holyoke um, last week where a pregnant woman on a bus was shot. Uh, her unborn child was killed. And he said, you know, we got to have these laws so we can, uh, you know, just stop things like this from happening. There have been two people arrested. Um, I don't know about the criminal disposition of the uh, second suspect, but one of the guys, Jim, was out. He had an open case for legal possession of a firearm. Yep. Um, I think either no bail or a very, very small amount of bail. So he bonds out. He's back on the streets. And again, it, you know, as you say, every one of these provisions in 4607, or let's say 99% of them are aimed at lawful gun owners, right? Licensed gun owners, people who want to obey the law. And meanwhile, they're saying, well, this is going to get tough on criminals. No, it's not. not no, it's not. You, you've got plenty of the laws that are already on the books. They're just not being enforced against violent criminals. If you take that incident in Holyoke, there's literally nothing in this bill that would have, quote, prevented it. As a matter of fact, uh, most people probably don't even know. But Massachusetts has gotten so weak on crime, they've banned cash bail. So if you can't afford the bail, they have to let you go. So it's and all you have to do is, you know, some cursory stuff to say, I don't, you know, I don't have any money. And and they have to let you go now. So you're out on the street. And it it's really interesting. <laughs> Yesterday, I actually heard somebody actually said that, you know, we have to make sure that the criminals are registering these guys. <laughs> just oh my god uh, it's just you gotta be kidding you can't even make this stuff up when you're sitting here listening to this stuff but it's uh we we believe anyway and that's what the rumor mill is that they're gonna vote on this wednesday so um ne gonna... next wednesday like a week from today oh two days today. tomorrow actually oh, oh I'm, sorry. Yes, I'm sorry next wednesday yes, yes next yes. wednesday okay next wednesday yeah 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 i'm sorry okay uh, that's, that's, I, I know. I know they're trying to race this into uh, you know into law here, but uh, holy moly, a day after the public hearing. Um, yeah. All right. So yeah. So that was going to be my next question. Next steps for the House bill, and then we've also got the Senate bill that's you know supposedly being written and floating around out there. One of yeah. the things that I'm concerned about, Jim. I mean, you talk about this bill 4607 is different. It's not any better. It's not any worse than 4420. It's just different. Some of the things that you know, as you say, you and I were talking uh, off air. Some of the, the ghost gun language has been removed. Some of the uh, sensitive places language has been removed from the House bill. How concerned are you that that language or, or similar language is going to pop up on the Senate side of things? Well, who knows? They could get totally creative, too, and come up with something that's completely different that's, that's problematic. So we yeah. have no idea what the House is going to do. But you also have to remember, too, that on either side, once a bill hits the floor, there's probably going to be hundreds of amendments filed uh, to make it even worse. And we've been asked, of course, we've been asked since 4420 was hit, you know, what amendments are you guys going to file? We're not. 
because you can't amend this bill. You, there's no way to fix it unless the amendment is all after section one delete, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but no, there's no way to fix this. First time in my career, I've had to say that. Nope. Can't do it. Start again. Yeah. So it's the other thing is, so if, a, if the house passes a bill and the Senate passes a bill, then it goes into a conference committee and those conference committees historically work in secret. So you have no idea what they're negotiating, what they're adding, what they're pulling out. I mean, literally, it's secret. They're not supposed to talk to anybody about what's going on in that room. And I've seen conference committees last months. So, oh, good Lord. You know, anything could happen, but it's they, they, they basically have a toxic piece of legislation. They realized it was toxic because they didn't include the right people. They tried to make it a little less toxic. Uh, but now they have to save face because they've made promises to the Giffords people and the moms and the every towns. So now if they look weak in front of those people, they're going to catch a backlash from them. And yeah. I don't understand, but I think we've discussed this before. Prior to Ron Mariano being speaker, he was A-rated his entire career. Became speaker and took a sharp left, almost a U-turn. So I'm not exactly sure who's controlling the puppet strings here, but hey man, Kathy Hochul, New York Governor Kathy Hochul was A-rated when she was in Congress. You know, Kirsten Gillibrand was A-rated when she was in Congress. It's amazing how these points of views just suddenly flip the moment they get into a leadership position, right? Or in the case of Hochul or Gillibrand, a statewide office. All of a sudden now these, you know, long-held beliefs out the window and oh wow look at all these common sense gun safety laws i support now yeah yeah it's amazing it, they just but anyway so we have we still have a quite a fight on our hands and we're going to continue to to just fight this the interesting thing too is on our side they keep waking more and more people up because especially this one oh we're going to fix it and then they made it you know not worse or not better just bad Mm -hmm. So everybody's like, well, wait a minute, you lied to us again. So now more people are waking up. Now the chiefs are on our side. Okay, keep going. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to fight against Mike Tyson. I don't care if he's 50. He can still kick my butt, you know? Right. Like, you know, it's like, bring another punch. Go ahead. But so, so what is your message for Massachusetts gun owners for the rest of this week? Let's just say over the next couple of days, because I know things are moving quickly. What should they be doing right now? Absolutely, you need to reach out specifically to your state reps on this one, that the people that matter do not support this thing. Law enforcement doesn't support it. You know, the average gun owner doesn't support it. Matter of fact, the average gun owner is telling you, if you go down this road, we're tapping out. And those are the words I used yesterday. We're done. We're tired of it. I, you know, I said yesterday, 25 years of trying to follow these garbage laws that you have in place now that did nothing to reduce crime or suicide. And now you're going to do it again. Nope, we're done. So that message needs to be sent loud and clear to their local state rep, because they need to completely rethink. And I know they're, they're getting bullied by leadership to, you know, to support this and push it through, but there are serious consequences coming if they do not just from us, from the chiefs who have just said, no, we want nothing to do with this. Start again. No. All right. Well, Jim Wallace, I know I've had you on so much. Uh, the, the show could be called uh, Cam and Jim 
uh, or Jim keeps scam company, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to probably going to call on you again next week, man. Cause I, I really do appreciate all the information you're putting out there. Obviously on behalf of, you know, uh, the entire audience, everybody listening, thank you for all of your activism, all of your efforts. I know it has been long days, uh, sleepless nights, uh, not just for you, but all of the staff at goal and, and some of the volunteers in the organization. So, sincerely from the bottom of my heart and, and again on behalf of my audience thank you for all of the work that you all are doing up there to keep our right our rights and our freedoms safe well it's an it's an honor to be in this position to to fight for the the cause right so it's uh it's the last one we got all you have to do is look at overseas or what's going on and the importance of of protecting us here but anyway that's right me cam Hey, man, always a pleasure. Take a nap, hopefully, and uh, we will talk to you very soon. Jim Wallace of the Gun Owners Action League with us here on Cam and Company. Well, thank you to Big Jim Wallace for joining us on the program. I know we'll be talking to him very soon, and we'll, of course, be keeping you up to date on what's going on with the uh, Lawful Citizens Imprisonment Act there in Massachusetts. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day and our recidivist report will start there <clears throat> Excuse me, with a... Uh, Really strange case out of Buffalo, New York. I'm not sure that I've, well, if I've run across something like this, it has been a long time. A judge dismisses murder case against Buffalo woman accused of fatally shooting her grandmother. This isn't a case of a soft on crime judge, at least not necessarily. This looks to be more like a glaring error on the part of the Erie County DA. Uh, according to the Buffalo News, the DA's office was prohibited from indicting this woman, Jamie Ann Harris, on a murder charge because she had already pleaded guilty to gun possession charges related to the same incident. Judge Kenneth Case ruled that prosecutors had enough evidence to charge Harris in the death of Catherine Jones when they indicted her on the weapons charges, but they didn't. Instead, they waited until after those gun possession charges had been resolved in a plea deal before filing murder charges in the same incident. Now, uh, Harris's defense attorneys, Nicholas Tacito and Brian Towey, said the laws are there for a reason. Now, here's that the government can't continue to bring up issues related to the same incident over and over and over again. In this case, <clears throat> according to uh, authorities, police responded to the home that Harris shared with her grandmother on the morning of November 21st, 2021. Jones was found dead in the living room, having suffered a gunshot wound to the chest at age 90. When police arrived, Harris was described to be in a distressed state. She was naked, locked inside the house, sticking her hands out of broken windows, shouting to police. She was taken to a hospital for evaluation. Officers found uh, two unregistered handguns in the home. So she was indicted in April of the following year. So again, this homicide happened in November of 2021. April of 2022, she's indicted, but not on murder charges. She's indicted only on two counts of criminal possession of a firearm. Then the case continues. She ends up pleading guilty to those charges in November of 2022. In January of 2023, she's sentenced to five years probation. It wasn't until May of this year that prosecutors filed an indictment charging her with second-degree murder. Buffalo News says after that arraignment, DA John Flynn said Harris wasn't charged in her grandmother's death until then for two reasons. One, the investigation took time. And the second reason, he said, uh, quote, strategic purposes. He didn't elaborate. He said he wanted to resolve the gun charges before taking the homicide case to a grand jury. Well, that's a problem. Because if you resolve the gun charges, again, according to the judge, you can't go back and file murder charges because it's related to the very same incident. We're running into issues of double jeopardy here. Now, I would imagine that Flynn is going to appeal the judge's decision. I don't know how much success he's going to have. And again, it just seems inexplicable to me that you would wait a year and a half after that murder happened 
to file murder charges. And again, after the first criminal charges have already been resolved in a plea deal. I, I, I will confess, I'm not a prosecutor and attorney, never have been, but it seems to me like you would charge the most serious offenses first and then add on any underlying charges rather than the uh, other way around. But uh, again, in all of my uh, deals of the day, I, I have rarely run across a situation like this, and I think this might even be the first time I've seen it apply to an actual murder case. Today's Armed Citizen story from the Cincinnati, Ohio area, where a uh, resident of the Westwood neighborhood shot a knife-wielding intruder late Tuesday night. Because this uh, story is so new, we don't have a lot of information. What we do know is that this happened around 11 p.m. at an apartment complex on Harrison Avenue. Police say the suspect, uh, armed with a knife, charged at the apartment resident, but the resident had a gun, drew that pistol, and shot the suspect at least once. Suspect uh, is expected to survive, taken to a local hospital. He's not yet been identified by authorities. Police also haven't said if the victim in this case was targeted or if this was a a random home break-in. This time, uh, no arrests have been made. I guess police are still waiting to uh, sort things out, figure out what charges to uh, file against the would-be intruder. Uh, We'll give you any updates as they become available. But again, because of uh, the, the freshness of this incident, we don't have a lot of details to report at the moment. Finally today... In the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A couple of police officers in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who uh, rescued a woman's engagement ring from a sewer drain. Yeah, this is uh, the officers in action here. The uh, sergeant and the officers saved their on patrol last Thursday. It was around midnight when they overheard a woman talking about how she had lost her engagement ring down a, a storm sewer. Sergeant Andrew Robinson with the Pittsburgh Police Department says it slipped off her finger, went directly into the hole of the sewer grate. It was a million-to-one shot. So he and Officer uh, Briggs, Officer Kyle Briggs, offered to help. Briggs able to lift off the uh, manhole cover. He said, we found a pole behind a restaurant, found a paperclip in one of our cars. We just taped the paperclip to the end of the pole, and we were able to fish it out. I have never actually seen that work in practice. I've heard it in theory all the time, right? Oh, yeah, you drop something down a drain, get a little coat hanger, maybe put a piece of... Uh, a uh, gum on the end of it. I think I might have even seen the, the Brady Bunch when I was a kid. Never been able to get it work for me in uh, real life, but uh, these officers, I guess they had that special training. And uh, there you go. They were able to extricate the ring from the uh, sewer, present it to the uh, woman in question. Uh, Robinson said that she uh, washed it off, put it on her finger. She and her uh, fiance hugged. And then, then they invited the two officers to the wedding. <laughs> so i don't know if they're gonna go i hope that they do save the date gentlemen but uh again officer kyle briggs sergeant andrew robinson with the pittsburgh police department we thank you 